Hi, everybody. Before today's podcast episode, if you are a teacher, if you are a part of a school, I'm sure you are using earbuds or headphones. Please consider TFD supplies for your earbuds. They are 55 cents each. I say again, 55 cents each for earbuds. You're not going to find a better price and you are not going to find a better customer experience. Visit TFDsupplies.com. Hello and welcome to the Educatorscape Podcast. My name is Seth Tripp and today is Tuesday, October 9th, 2018. Thank you for listening today. Hope everyone had a great start to the week and a great weekend. Last weekend, we officially celebrated the birthday of my oldest son, Hayden, who turned four. We had a bunch of family and friends there and had a lot of superhero fun. Last week on the podcast, on Tuesday, I talked with Rachel Tripp on our Teachers at the Movie feature episode about the teachers in the movie Mean Girls. On Thursday, I talked with teachers Ryan Laxon and Andrew Van Bever about their school district's transition to the four-day school week. Check those episodes out wherever you listen to podcasts or on educatorescape.com. Tomorrow, I'll be releasing my weekly blog posts. Go check it out tomorrow at educatorescape.com. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, go search Educator Escape on your favorite podcast site and hit the subscribe button. As of now, we are currently on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, and Spotify. If I don't have it on your favorite, let me know, and I'll get it there as soon as possible. I also want to ask you to go and review the podcast after the episode. If this is your first time listening or you've heard every episode, please take some time to review where you listen in. If you listen in on Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, or directly on the website, you can't review there due to the each one of those sites' policies. So if you could go to Educator Escape on iTunes, CastBox, or Stitcher and review it there, I would appreciate it. Reviewing the podcast will help us get noticed and give us more listeners. If you'd like to keep track of the podcast on social media, search Educator Escape and hit the follow button on Instagram and Twitter and hit the like button on Facebook. There are reminders for upcoming episodes, podcast release dates, and if I feel anything in the media is pertaining to our podcast, I will share it with you there as well. If you know any educators who are doing exceptional work and you would love for them to be highlighted on the podcast, please let me know by emailing me at seth.educatorescape at gmail.com and I would love to feature them on the podcast. For those of you tuning in to hear my conversation with Heather Carbley, we had some technical difficulties with the interview, but I will be featuring her on our upcoming episode on Thursday. Today in the podcast, I'm talking to Ryan Laxon. Ryan is a science teacher at Galena High School, which is south of Springfield, Missouri. I talked with Ryan last Thursday about his school transitioning to the four-day school week, and I thought it would be great to bring him back to talk about his personal journey into teaching. Ryan and I talk about switching to a non-point-based classroom and putting emphasis on soft skills through the vessel of teaching science. Here's my interview with Ryan Laxon. Where did you go to high school? I went to high school at Marquette in Chesterfield. Okay. And how big was your graduating class when you were there? We started off my freshman year with about 500, and we ended up with about 400. Okay. So media, not crazy big school, but medium kind of size school. Considering where I'm at now, it is a crazy big school. That is true. <laughs> that is true. What is the last book that you read and finished? 
It was Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay, I would be in a hurry. I don't know if I would pick it up, but (laughs) (laughs) it might scare me off a little bit. What is the one show that both you and your wife can sit down and agree on that this is the show that we're going to watch. No disagreements. As as funny as it sounds, The Ultimate Fighter. The, the Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> yes, my wife and I love the US the UFC. You would never believe that if you were to see us in person. We are not very big, <laughs> we're not very aggressive, but we just love we love The Ultimate Fighter. It, we love UFC. Not only do I like it for why most fight fans like it, I like it for the for the science of it. In fact, I I, I obviously don't attack any of my students, but I use a lot of a, a lot of that stuff when I teach, say, anatomy and physiology. So you know, the kids always will ask things about like you know what happens when I'm choking. Uh, well, how, how come it takes so long? Okay, so I'll bring in you know the the idea of a choke. In MMA, you know, if you choke someone, you're not really their uh, trachea. You're actually squeezing on their their uh, carotid and jugular arteries and veins because you're going to black out from a loss of blood as a, before you lose consciousness from a lack of oxygen. So I, I mean, I use that all the time. It, it's I, I find it. I find the physiology, the kin, uh, kinesthetics. I, I find all of that fascinating. Interesting. Let me, let me just say that I'm glad that uh, we're doing this interview remotely so you wouldn't have to demonstrate any of those things for me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not good at any of them. I just know, <laughs> I know the, the biology and anatomy behind it. That's it's interesting. Uh, my, my wife is the same way with hockey. She's a, a really, really nice person. But if you were to watch <laughs> hockey with her, favorite parts are... Are the fights her favorite players? The fight is the player that that starts all the mm-hmm. fights and fights the most. I don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe it's just a little <laughs> pent up, pent up rage that that I don't know. She gets out that maybe. way. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> what is one place that you haven't been that you would like to go on vacation? If it was just me personally, oh, okay. Yeah, my 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 bucket list place is the Galapagos. I, oh. I would I would love to go to the Galapagos and see where you know, see see some finches and see tortoises, see the, the Darwin Field Station. I would I would love to see all that. But you know, as we've gotten older and we've gotten families, it's hard for me to justify spending that much money on myself. We've gotta if we're gonna spend that much money it needs to be on the family. So whether I'll ever get to go, who knows? But that that would be my that that's my bucket list destination. For ah uh, man, we're on the same page. <laughs> when I was a kid, I wanted to be uh, Steve Irwin, and so uh-huh. I wanna I did I did want to be a naturalist uh, for for a time. My brother is a is a marine biologist. Well, he's oh. going, he's going he's in school to be marine biologist okay definitely it definitely runs in the family but yeah galapagos i'm with you there if you had 30 minutes of free time no wife no kids no school responsibilities it was just 30 minutes and you get to choose whatever you do with that 30 minutes of free time what would you do 
I would sleep. (laughs) If I could get 30 minutes of uninterrupted sleep, that would be fantastic. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But no, I'm, I'm so busy with volleyball coaching, volleyball officiating, my responsibilities with AP biology, my responsibilities with science teachers of Missouri. I am gone quite a bit. I, I tell people last, spring i was home christmas eve and then the next weekend i was home was may 4th and the only reason i was home that weekend was because it was my wife's birthday and i just told everyone i'm not doing anything this weekend period oh my goodness yeah so i am i'm always always on the go it is quite tiring is that just kind of like your personality you feel like you have to be doing it a bunch or well it's it's a product of a lot of things i feel like i need to keep busy sure but i also you know as we we message a little bit it's tough to make a living as a teacher yeah so i'd work a lot of a lot of side jobs there will never be a question in my daughter's mind that i work my behind off to provide as much as I could. Yeah, at, the, at the same time, I have a very hard time saying no, as many <laughs> people do. I have gotten to the point where I, I won't volunteer my time anymore. I won't let people play on my natural tendency to my, my, my compassion for people, just because every time I have to make a decision now, I have to ask myself, is this worth spending time away from my family? And if it's not, then we won't do it. And so I'm, I'm one of the busiest people you will ever meet. And add on top of that a, a long, long commute for you every time you have to go to school. Yes, and, and five preps. And five. And they're all, yeah, and they're labs. Go back to the beginnings, your journey into where you are now. Tell me how you got to Galena and you know, where you went to school, other jobs. What what path have you gone down to get here? Well, in second grade, my mom told me that there were no doctors in the family and that I should be a doctor. And so I said, <laughs> okay. And my whole life leading up to that point was, okay, I'm going to be a doctor. I had always planned on going to school on the West Coast. And so before my senior year, my mom took me out to California and we visited a bunch of schools. My dream school was Stanford and I I visited there and I just absolutely hated it. As I'm sure many people know, Marquette is in a very affluent area. Mm -hmm. Well, we are not, we are not affluent. And so I've always kind of had a chip on my shoulder about people who flaunt their money. It Mm -hmm. is one of my greatest pet peeves. So now going to Stanford, being surrounded by people with even more money and more entitlement and, you know, being asked things on the tour, such as, you know, what's my average household income? What would be my expected contribution as an alumni? And it's like, what, I'm not even going here. You're already asking how much money I'm going to give you. Wasn't a big fan. So I checked out Berkeley. That was just too much of a swing in the other direction. Maybe they... They spent their whole, uh, when they found out that I had 
visited Stanford first. They began a list of reasons why they were better than Stanford and never really told me about the school. So I well, okay, this is, I don't want to go here. While I was at, again, I visited Pepperdine, but it was the same thing. The Pepperdine is a beautiful campus right off the Pacific Ocean, but as you drive up the windy road to campus, it was just Audi, BMW, Mercedes, Mercedes. I, I don't fit in here either. Right. And so... I uh, came home said, I, I don't, I've always wanted to go to, to California, and now I realize that I don't. Now what am I supposed to do? And so I checked out UMKC. I was very interested in doing their six-year med program, but when I visited there, it was old UMKC, so, you know, 80%, 90% commuter, not much of a campus life. Opened the door to the dorm and a big, big plume of marijuana smoke came out. My dad was not a big fan of that. (laughs) Um, So I, you know, I was not impressed with UMKC and I was, uh, I mean, it was now like March of my senior year and I didn't know where I was going. A friend of mine said, hey, you should check out at the time Southwest Missouri State. And I had never even heard of it. They told me where it was and I said, I that sounds awful. Why would I want to go there? No one, lives, no one lives there. Why would I do that? And we went down there just kind of because it couldn't hurt. I had no idea where I was going. So we went down there. You know, someone came to my door to open the door for me. And, you know, we're from St. Louis. If so someone's coming to the door to open your door, they're there to rob you. So I was quite taken aback, but they assured me that they were just being friendly and I, Oh, what, what's this like? I'm not used to people being friendly. So <laughs> it was a very welcome change. People were not as focused on money. People were, they, I mean, it was just much nicer. The vibe I got was, was awesome. So I ended up deciding to go there. Started off as a, yeah, as a pre-med, my degree is in microbiology. It's not actually an education. Mm-hmm. I did not decide until the very end of my undergrad career that I was not going to go to med school, much to the chagrin of my parents and my academic advisor. And so I found myself kind of in an existential funk. I I took some political science classes because I thought I might want to be a lawyer, and that was really awful. (laughs) Um, I was actually pretty good at math and computer science so i took some of those classes and again i was it was miserable Mm -hmm. i I hated it and so i I forget who it was but someone told me you know when you're choosing a career you should get paid to do what you would gladly do for free that should be your career right and so i kind of reflected upon okay what what would i do for free and at the time, some a lot of the things I was doing to make myself more marketable for med school, I was tutoring quite a bit. I was coaching volleyball. I was the new member educator for my fraternity. I was giving tours. I was a campus orientation leader. You know, a lot of the things I was doing involved teaching. I never thought, I, I had never even thought of that. In fact, my AP calculus teacher in high school told me I would be a good teacher, and I laughed at her. I <laughs> said, that's ridiculous. Why, why would I ever want to do that? I have no patience, which I still don't. <laughs> but she, I said, well, let's, I guess let's give this a shot, and I ended up loving it. So, you know, when it came time to look for jobs and whatnot, I was... I was dating a girl from the area who is now my wife. The area was nice. It's a nice place to 
raise a family, standard of living, cost of living is, is quite low. So, uh, you know, I can actually not starve to death as a teacher. Right. And so I started off, I got my first job at uh, Republic, which is kind of a suburb of Springfield, if you can call Springfield big enough to have suburbs. Right. It's a town yeah, directly southeast. I worked there for for eight years. Then I tried a new program, a, a non-traditional program called GoCaps. St. Louis has programs like this. Afton has a CAPS program, Parkway has Spark. But essentially the, the idea is that there is a deficiency in what students are getting from high school and they're not getting prepared for the real world. And the way to do that is to immerse them in industry. So I was part of the medicine and healthcare program. My classroom was actually at two our two local hospitals, and kids would come to me for half the day. We would job shadow. We would, you know, learn as much of the of the content as we could, but we would also strongly emphasize soft skills. When you ask any HR department why a person not getting hired, why is this person getting fired, it's never because of content knowledge. It's it never because of intelligence. It's because they don't know how to act when they're at the job. They don't even show up. They they don't call in. They they just don't act. The, the, the soft skill training is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did that for a year. I actually... I loved it, but it was exhausting work. Um, it, it definitely showed me the huge dichotomy between academia and industry. But, I mean, I missed the classroom, right. and I really hadn't planned on leaving GoCaps, but um, the end of my first year came, and I, I can't remember how, but I started talking to my now principal. We, we knew each other because we had taught together at Republic, he was okay. a social studies teacher at the time and said, you know, you should come check out Galena. I had never even heard of it. I didn't know where it was. Checked it out, and I thought, man, this is quite the difference. I mean, he is the most supportive administrator I've ever had, along with my superintendent. They're both fantastic. They've never said no to me as long as they had the the means to give me what I needed. They've been very transparent. The community is very welcoming, very, very school. I did so. I I ended up at at Galena, and here here I am. Sorry, that was a really long answer. No, that's, short no, that's you know, usually people talk for about you know ten minutes about that, and that's like about right on. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm serious because nobody has anything. No, nobody is just like, yeah, I went to high school and then I was like, yeah, I went to college and found a teaching job and I've been there ever since. Like, that doesn't happen. Nobody's right. Like that. And, that, you know, that's one of the things that we had to get across to kids and go caps. Our high school kids think that they need to have their lives planned out when they're seniors and they have this enormous stress put on them. And it's like, guys, do you even know how many times you're going to change your major in college? Mm-hmm. And they have to get over the idea that changing your major is a failure. It's, it's not. You're trying to figure out what you want to do. And then even past that, how many times are you going to change jobs after college? You're not a failure. You just don't want to do something you hate. That's just, that's intelligent. 
And so, you know, to getting kids to understand that and not just that, show them people in industry, uh, the professionals. Hey, how did you get to where you are? And it's never a straight line. It is always convoluted as I'll get out. So for some to see that, that, that's an important part of education that I don't think they're getting. And that's one thing that really, I guess, an adult, it's hard to understand that oh, right. just because this job isn't working out doesn't mean that it's the job for you. Just because, you know, it works out the same thing for teachers. You know, you don't have to stay at that school if it doesn't match who you are. You don't have to stay at a program right. because you feel obligated to stay there because nobody else is staying. Mm-hmm. And so, although it sounds like to me that you, well, you said it, you love where you are. But like you said, though, mm-hmm. this, these kids are thinking, well, I have just because it's a job and just because it pays the bills, I have to do this even though I'm miserable. But right. if your heart's not in it, then you know, you're not going to be successful in it. And you said that's one thing that you're working on in the classroom is is building those soft skills. How are you how are you doing that? As I tell the kids, my job in my opinion is to get them ready for life. For as content heavy and as as content driven as I am, I really just don't even care about grades. I I know that most of my kids will not go into science. Mm-hmm. I use science to deliver my message because that's what I'm passionate about, but you know, my emphasis is critical thinking, rational thinking, logical thinking, as well as how to act appropriately. So in my, like my required classes, like biology, my kids will, will tell you, I, I hope they'll tell you they, <laughs> that I, my, that they probably have never met a teacher who cares less about grades than I do. Um, they, they have lots of chances to fail without shooting themselves in the foot and just totally destroying their grade. It's it's all about growth. It's not about doing it perfect the first time you do it. So getting them out of that mindset takes a while. And then I was lucky enough to be allowed to design a course this year where soft skills and behavior is actually half of their grade. You know, I really don't like grades. And if it was up to me, I wouldn't give any. But since I have to, I figured if we're trying to get these students ready for post-secondary life, let's show them things that are actually important. So for this class, when they walk in every day, they have to shake my hand. They have to look me in the eye. They have to tell me good morning. If we ever go anywhere else or if we ever have a sub, they have to do exactly the same thing. So every time we use the library, they have to do the same thing to the librarian as they do to me. If we have guest speakers, it's the same thing. You know, they learn, we write thank you notes every time we have someone come present at the beginning of class. They have to have a conversation with someone where they actually look them in the eyes. And then after they're done talking, the other person has to summarize what they just said to make sure they're actually listening. I am very, very adamant about cell phones. In that class, I have mm-hmm. no problem with cell phones as long as they are using them to work on whatever we are doing. Right. But if they're on social media for no reason, I will, because half the grade is behavior, they will know. How much pushback are you getting from these policies, not just from students, from parents? Because 
like how much of how much do you have to explain to parents like hey your kid's grade isn't necessarily based on them understanding the biology concept like when you come in for parent teacher conferences like what is how does that conversation go and do you get pushback from that well i mean let me preface by saying we haven't had conferences yet okay so really haven't had a lot of those conversations but the ones that i have had have all been positive i've always prefaced the conversation with what i told you you know I'll, i'll ask them you know what do you what is it that you do and they'll say something like you know i i pour concrete or i'm a construction worker okay and it, when you fire someone is it because they didn't know how to pour concrete well then no so when you fire most kids or don't hire them is it because they didn't do their job right or is it because they didn't act right and it's almost always they did not show up they were they were calling in five minutes before their shift was supposed to start, things like that. Hmm. And so when I explained to them the goal of my class, that they've been all for it. I talked to members of the school board, they were all for it. And I emphasized for this class, it it was very project-based. So the things that we work on, we do work on the biology of public health, but our emphasis is the public health of our county, of Stone County. So when we do things, we are doing things that are actually applicable to Stone County. So we, like, for example, we have an issue with norovirus, as most people would think of it would being the stomach flu. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the easiest ways to combat norovirus is to just practice good hygiene. So the kids came up on their own that they wanted to go to the elementary school and teach the kids how to practice good hygiene, hand washing. This is what happens if you don't practice good hygiene. I mean, came up with it on their own. They were, they planned pretty much all of it on their own. It has been very student directed. It's helped the community. I've done very little. I actually feel kind of lazy. <laughs> um, it's been amazing. And again, we've emphasized those those soft skills along the way. And how much of those soft skills do you see? Or maybe you, maybe you don't see it yet. Maybe you'll see it in a few years. Or do, do teachers ever say anything like, oh, after you guys visited, we saw a rise in more polite students or even just fresher smelling students. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, we, we started the class this year. And so our visit to the elementary school was actually last Friday. Oh, okay. So I, I yet to get feedback from them along those lines. A, an example of another project that we did was our uh, county health department with, who, with whom I designed this class. They wanted to bring awareness about sexually transmitted diseases to the local high schools in Mm -hmm. the county. Of course, talking about sexually transmitted diseases to teenagers is quite the interesting topic. Right. But we we put it back on the teenagers, you know. My, so I said to my students, when when this stuff is brought up, do you really want to hear about it from an adult? And of course, they all say no. Right. So it's like, okay, if if you were to do this, what what are the things that you would want to do? And so they came up with a bunch of art, a bunch of media to 
give to the local health department. So, you know, for the, our neighboring school district, who's also in our county, they can hang flyers that were actually made by students to, with the uh, intent to give to their peers. Our health department had loved it. They, the stuff that we gave our students, they thought was, was fantastic. So we've gotten, I, I really have not gotten anything but positive feedback. I'll tell you, our librarian is a, a very sweet, beautiful old lady, and she <laughs> loves it. She loves that my kids shake her hand every time they go to the library. And in fact, most of them, every time they see her in the morning, even if they're not going to the library, they now shake her hand and tell her good morning. She just thinks it's fantastic. It sounds like you're putting a huge emphasis on building community and having the kids when they go out of the community, realizing that they're a representative of the community. And from talking to you about the four day school week, it seems like the school and the community really like feed off of each other. And it's the, the school is like the lifeblood of the community. Would you find that to be accurate? Yeah. I mean, you, the school is definitely as it is in most small towns, the biggest, a provider of jobs for the for the community and so the community very much supports it we additionally because we are such a uh, low ses area we we provide a lot of things to the community that they might not get otherwise you know the kids are able to eat at the elementary school they they all eat for free because mm-hmm. we are considered to be 100% free and reduced lunch if if the school wasn't there, the the kids aren't eating. So right. we we are helping these families out quite a bit. If you get to that point where a kid is behaving in a way that will keep them home from school, they have to seriously think about this. Mm-hmm. If I stay home from school, not only will I not see my friends, but but I may not eat. So is it really worth acting like this? I really need to think twice about what I am doing. It's, it's definitely different than the decision that a, a student at a Marquette or a Pattonville <laughs> or a, a Winsville would, would have to, to make. Oh, it's, it's, it's a totally different mindset. It, it, it is amazing at how good of a teacher I thought I was and just how bad of a teacher I was now that I reflect. <laughs> And it's the same goes for, you know, we thought we knew everything in high school. I didn't know anything in high school. All I knew was Marquette, and Marquette's not reality. That's not <laughs> what most people are like. So, you know, I, I came down to Republic. Republic is about 1,400 students total. Mm-hmm. Classes, uh, grades are about 250, 300, 400 students. Not, not very big. Mm-hmm. I thought that was small and rural. I had no idea what small and r- rural was until I came to Galena. It has definitely helped me become a better teacher. And it's definitely, I, I mean, all experiences, if, as long as you reflect, and there's something to be learned from everything. I'm reflecting back now on the beginning of our conversation, and you talked about how when you were going to Marquette and you were you know, visiting those schools and you kind of like said you had like a chip on your shoulder about people being flashy, but at this, and you weren't affluent growing up. Do you think that part of your drive to instill these skills, to 
build up these community functions and things like that is sort of like that same feeling that you had growing up. Like you want these kids to just have everything. It's almost like, you know how there's a saying that good parents want their kids to have a better life than they mm-hmm. did. Do you feel like that in a way with what you're doing right now in Galena? I, I think the the ultimate goal for any teacher is so that is to give our students an opportunity for a better life than what they have. I do think also a lot of it is it's almost penance. I I thought I, I had a chip on my shoulder for not being affluent compared to the other students at Marquette. And now that I look back on it, you know, compared to your average person, we were very well off. Mm-hmm. We never wanted food. We never had to, you know, all of my problems were first world problems. I did right. not have same problems as my students have now. And so it's almost like I I owe it to my school, to my to myself, to my family to show, you know, I I thought that I was the kid that was suffering because everyone else around him was flashing their money, but how how arrogant was I? Did I have that West County attitude when I was in North County? Was I, you know, when I had to drive 30 minutes to go from Marquette to Fox, I remember whining and whining about how long the drive that is. And now it's like, I can do that without even thinking. I've got, I was just so entitled. I feel like <laughs> I can never work hard enough to pay back how how dumb I was. Well, from what I can tell... It seems like you're well on your way there. Thank you, Ryan, for joining me on the podcast to talk about your journey into teaching and the impact you and your students have had on the community. I can't wait to hear more about what you guys are doing down there in Stone County. Thank you all for listening in. If you would like to keep track of the podcast on social media, search Educator Escape and hit the follow button on Instagram and Twitter and hit the like button on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. I want you to be the first to get all of our new episodes. After you have subscribed, go give us a review. It helps us get noticed. If you know any educators who are doing exceptional work and you would love for them to be highlighted on the podcast, Please let me know by emailing me at seth.educatorescape at gmail.com, and I would love to feature them on the podcast. Before we wrap up this episode, I want to leave you with a quote from physicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. Only way you can invent tomorrow is if you break out of the enclosure that the school system has provided for you by the exams written by people who are trained in another generation. Thank you all for listening today. Join me Thursday as I talk to elementary school teacher Heather Carbley about the implementation of the no zeros policy that has been put together at her school. Have a great day. I'm out of here.